T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. All right, hello everybody and welcome to the show, the Hurricane Hotline for the next two hours. Coming up, we'll hear from University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. Also on the show, College Football Hall of Famer now, Dan Morgan. He'll join us in hour number two. Also, Don Bailey Jr. as we continue to look at the University of Miami football program during the offseason. And then Katie Meyer. And uh, Coach Meyer coming off a win against North Carolina. She also has a very interesting story to tell us. Uh, how she watched the uh, national championship football game. So all of that is coming up on the Hurricane Hotline tonight. We begin with University of Miami head basketball coach Jim Laranega. Hurricanes last night defeated by Boston College, a hot shooting Boston College squad. I don't know they've seen. A, I don't know they've seen a team shoot that well in a long time. 84-62. Coach L, thanks for being with us. And uh, yep, you ran into a buzzsaw last night. Joe, I, I can't remember. Maybe you know the answer to this. Boston College made 18 threes. I think that's the most in in my coaching career. Do you have any idea what it is at Miami? What's the most an opponent has made from three-point? 15. 15 in the ACC. So 18. Yeah. 18 is now the new record? 18 is the new record, yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Boston College was so ready to play. And uh, what was disappointing to me, Joe, uh, um, on on Monday we, f- we flew up to Boston. But before we flew up, we, we had a practice. And our guys were not focused at all. We were missing layups. We were not sharp. Our preparation was not very good. Uh, we're missing five five of our 12 players we only had seven guys but those seven guys had played so many minutes in our previous game i think they were still feeling feeling the fatigue and we showed up at boston college and played like we were tired and out of gas and we played a very very poor game and boston college played great yeah it did seem that perhaps you were a fraction uh, slow and and it's understandable. It's been a, a rough start in terms of uh, because of injuries and guys playing a lot of minutes. Uh, this kid Kelly, it was the game of his life. Twenty seven points. 
transfer from Quinnipiac. I don't know that he'll ever have another night like that, but he was just one of those guys, one of those nights when uh, the ball left his fingers, it was going in. Well, the other thing, and and I, I don't know if anyone will remember this, last year uh, we played Quinnipiac, and Coach Courtney did the scout team and was sharing with the players how good Rich Kelly is. And when he went against us, uh, Chris Likes had a phenomenal night, and Rich Kelly had a very disappointing game. So I don't think our guys had the same kind of respect for him that they should have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, his performance here last year uh, didn't indicate that he's the kind of player that could come into an ACC program, not only start, but run the team and score 27 points and shoot the ball the way he did from three. Because going against Chris Likes last year, you know, now again, Rich Kelly and Quinnipiac didn't have the same kind of players around them. Right. So, uh, but we had a very bad night. Boston College had a very good night. That was their first win in the league. And now we've got to bounce back and get ready for a terrific Louisville team. Yeah, we won't spend a lot of time on Boston College. I did want to ask you, uh, it seemed like uh, maybe through the first 16 minutes of the game that you were going to be able to get to the rim at will. Harlan Beverly was getting into the lane. Uh, but what do you think was the breaking point? Because they were going to continue uh, to stretch your defense, I would imagine, because of the three-point shooting. Was it the start at the second half? Was that the breaking point? Well, here's what, here's what I would say. Uh, there were two things going on all at the same time. They were making threes, and we weren't. Right. We ended up two for 16 from three. And you, you, you ask the question, well, why are we shooting it so bad? It's because our top two three-point shooters are not playing, Chris Likes and Cam Augusti. And even Sam Wardenberg makes threes. So without them, we re- really rely heavily on Matt Cross and Isaiah Wong, and neither one of them had a very good shooting game. So we go two for 16 while they make 18 threes. So – uh, they they basically score like 54 points from three, and we score six. <laughs> yeah. So while while it didn't all happen in the first half, I kind of knew we were in trouble when Stefan Mitchell made three threes in the first half. Yeah, he's their worst three point shooter. He's their five man. But as I told you before, Joe. We struggle at the five to guard three-point shooters. And Stefan Mitchell made three in the first half. And like most three-point shooting teams, once one guy gets it going, it often becomes contagious. Yeah, You know, I think that's uh, – you know, I've always uh, wondered that. I do think it goes both ways, right? If you're making him, it becomes contagious. He was five for 23 going into the game. But if you're not making him – Sometimes uh, that allow forces your team to press, and it becomes contagious that way. Yeah, because like Matt Cross is a terrific three-point shooter, and from a percentage uh, point of view, he's he's excellent. Um, and he went zero for four, and, and late in the game, just was shaking his head, saying, "I can't make a three. Mm-hmm. So, when our best three-point shooter that's actually out on the court is not making them, and 
Isaiah Wong, our leading scorer, is not making them. The only guy who made it was Elijah Olani, and he made two. But two for 16 is, is not going to win the game. I think it's important to note that we are now 11 games into the season, and Chris Lakes has played 57 minutes, and Cam McGussie's played 126 minutes. That's not exactly what you had planned this year. No, and, and without Sam Wardenberg and, and Rodney Miller, who, whether they're starters or subs, are seniors with a lot of experience and know our system very well, we're playing starting three guys who weren't on our team last year. You know, uh, Earl Timberlake, who's playing with a, a subpar shoulder and struggling to shoot the ball. Uh, Matt Cross, another freshman, and then this year Brooks. But, Joe, actually, there are no excuses. It's not like we're making excuses. It's These are the facts, and they contribute to the way we play. We played very well on Saturday to beat North Carolina State. We played a terrific game. We held them to 59 points. And then two, two days later, you know, Boston College scores 80. So – well, uh, one night we play in great defense, and one night we don't. Yeah. Uh, if we go back to the North Carolina State game for a moment, and we did discuss this on the pregame show last night, but I do think it's worth repeating. Uh, you did pass John Wooden, and you, uh, in terms of coaching wins, so uh, we salute you for that. Congratulations. 665 wins in your career. So you passed John Wooden. Anytime you pass John Wooden, that is, uh, in anything, that's pretty special. But if you looked at John Wooden's career, uh, can you put into words his impact on college basketball? He created this dynasty, but he, I don't know that many people realize he didn't win his first tournament game until he was 16 years into his career. Yeah, okay. So if you got to go back uh, to know John Wooden, which, uh, you know, I kind of studied John Wooden's life. And I'm going to tell you about one conversation that I had with him. Um, John Wooden was a great player. Uh, he at one time made 138 straight free throws. And I believe he shot him underhand. He's in the Hall of Fame as a player. And he's in the Hall of Fame as a coach. When he arrived at UCLA, UCLA had been struggling. And, and he came in and he won his first first championship when he was 52 years old he was not a young guy he won the championship in in uh seven straight years and he won 10 championships total from 1963 to 1975 he coached two of the best centers in the history of the college game Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, better known as Lou Alcindor back then, and Bill Walton, a young man out of San Diego, California. And between them, they put together five national championships. And after after, uh, John Wooden had won 10, he announced his retirement when he was 65 years old. And I read what he said about the reason he retired 
is he couldn't live up to his own expectations that the media and the alumni had put so much emphasis on winning the championship that nothing less was a successful season. And he said, I just can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Now, John Wooden was born October 14, 1910. My wife was born on October 14th, so they share a birthday. And my father was born October 16th, 1910. So there's a lot of history and, and stuff that I remember about John Wooden that most people wouldn't know. Now, now your dad did have some – he did cross paths with John Wooden in one of your games. Yeah, one time. <laughs> uh, my Providence College team played UCLA. They were – UCLA came to New York City to play in Madison Square Garden in uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's senior year college. It kind of was like his farewell to New York. And my Providence College team gave UCLA a, a very nice battle, but we lost the game. After the game was over, my mom and dad rarely ever saw me play. My father only saw me play one time in high school, and about four times in college. So he was at the game in Madison Square Garden, and after the game was over, he wanted to go home. And my mother said, no, we got to wait for Jim to get out of the locker room. He said, well, how long will that take? And he said, uh, you know, maybe 30 minutes or so. He said, I can't wait that long. So he walked down to the court and tried to get through the hallway where the locker rooms were. And the security people wouldn't let him go. So John Wooden just finished being interviewed by, by television um, on the court after the game, and he's walking now to the hallway. And as he gets there, my father stops him and says, Hey, pal, I need you to get my son. Can you go in? Jim Laranag is my son. Can you tell him I'm waiting out here? He needs to come. And John Wooden just ignored him, walked right by him. <laughs> My brother was standing behind my father, and he said to my father, Dad, do you, do you know who that was? And he's like, no. He says, well, that was John Wooden, the coach of UCLA. And my father said, well, you think he'll get Jim for us or not? What? <laughs> How about He uh... kind of ignored me. I can't believe he just walked past me. They let him in. Why won't they let me in? So... But I had one conversation with, with John Wooden. John Wooden was 99 years old in Los Angeles. And Bill Walton, who's a friend of mine, uh, gave me his number and told me to call him at 8, eight o'clock on the East Coast time, that he would be back in his apartment. I called him. His son-in-law answered the phone and then put Coach Wooden on. I introduced myself and told him Bill Walton said to uh, call him. I had one question for him. I asked him the question. He didn't answer the question. He gave me a 20-minute clinic <laughs> on what life is all about. He said, he said Coach, let, let me explain my feelings. The two most important words in life are love and balance. You must learn to love 
people. You must learn to love your job, love your family. And he just made a list. And there must be balance in your life. You can't you can't be in balance where all you do is work. You've got to spend time with your family. You have to have balance in your offense. The ball needs to be shared. You have to have balance in your defense. You have to have guys get back so that you don't give up fast breaks. You have to have balance as a player when you play. You got to move your feet and stay on balance and be in control of yourself. You have to have balance on defense where a guy is trying to beat you to the basket. You've got to move your feet quickly, but not get off balance for 20 minutes, Joe. (laughs) Oh, that's my one experience in talking to John Wooden. He passed away a year later at, at age 100. Well, what was amazing at that time uh, when he coached, freshmen weren't eligible, but juniors didn't leave early unless they were able to apply for a hardship. Uh, so he had, you would always have older teams. And then when he retired, he beats, his, uh, he beats Louisville and Danny Crum right in the semifinals, I think in an overtime game. Crum was his assistant and then beats Joe B. Hall in the championship game. Yeah, they beat Kentucky in the championship game, and John Wooden got a technical foul. Uh, in the second half, he was barking at those referees hard and got himself a technical, which rarely happened during the course of his career. Yeah. And that's something I'm very proud of, Joe. I rarely get a technical foul. I try to keep my poise. I try to stay cool, calm, and collected because I want my team to be that way. I want our guys to be fired up and play really hard, but I don't want them to become so emotional that they, they lose control and get technical fouls or, you know, uh, engage in, in bad behavior. You have great restraints, especially in this league, because sometimes nobody would blame you if you got a technical foul. Well, you know, the referees, like the guys last night, I've known now for a long time, and I respect them. I think they're very good officials. I think they make mistakes just like every human being, but they don't do it, you know, um, in a, in a, a a bad way. They, they'll talk to me afterwards. Like, I don't know if you remember last night, they had, had uh, Harlan Beverly listed for two fouls. And I, I told uh, one of the officials, Hey, they got that foul on the wrong guy. I think it was reported wrong or something because number five only has one foul. And they went back and checked it and they corrected it. It ended up being Isaiah Wong's foul, not Harlan's. And that's what you want. You want the referees to be very professional, to do their job best they can. And I don't know if people realize how often they work. But most of those guys are working at least five nights a week and sometimes six. So they, they're they not 25 years old. These are men in their 40s, 50s that are working that many nights and traveling during the day to get to the game. So it's a hard job. Now, I always wonder how they get to every game. I'd be nervous as hell flying on the day of the game, but uh, they, they get the first flight out. They normally make it, they get to the hotel, they take a nap, they get a workout, have a hamburger, and go uh, officiate the game. So uh, their lifestyle is interesting. Before we go to the break and, and move our attention to Louisville, I did want to ask you this. 
Uh, actually, it's probably a two-part question, maybe more of a discussion. I don't know if you saw this before we came on the air, the blockbuster trade in the NBA. James, James Harden was traded to the Nets. Uh, so he goes, he'll join Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, Levert ends up with the Pacers. The Rockets get Oladipo. They get like 9,000 first-round draft choices. But what do you think about uh, Harden being traded to uh, play with uh, Durant and Ar- and Kyrie Irving? Um, as soon as I saw it, I called my son, who's the assistant coach with the Boston Celtics, and we had a very engaging conversation about it. I did most of the talking, and, <laughs> and he was just, you know, kind of listening to my thoughts. But my thoughts are this. The NBA is a professional basketball league, and their objective, every one of those teams, is to win the world championship. And they're going to try to put as much talent as they can collectively together so that they can beat the other great teams in the NBA. So is it going to work out for the Nets? I think only time will tell that. But to me, I I, I like uh, teams that just play really good team basketball, like the Miami Heat. I watch them a lot. I think Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra do an amazing job. Uh, but they don't have as much talent as as some of these other teams. And and last year they did a fantastic job and got to the championships round. But the Lakers, who have more talent, won it. So uh, does that mean, you know, Miami has to go out and try to get more good players like the Nets did? I don't know. Sometimes talent just, you know, the cream rises to the top. Will will that happen for the the Brooklyn Nets? All I know is Kyrie Irving has normally been hurt when it comes to the playoffs. I can't tell you the number of times he has sat out games that were critical for advancing in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I think um, I don't know how, how I would how I throw this into the mix here, the, the Heat have and some others, but the Heat kind of re, uh, uh, revolve around this ensemble cast with more parts to get it done and play with a lot of joy. And you just mentioned Coach Wooden, so they play with joy and love for their organization and have balance. And the Nets have just loaded up with talent with one guy who is very unhappy, James Harden, almost wherever he is, another guy, Kyrie Irving, who people are having a tough time trying to figure out exactly where his mind is. And then Kevin Durant, who is in a new location, is a champion, but has been injured. I think injuries have played such a huge role. I mean, look at look at what's happened to us. Look at what's happened to other programs around the country. You remember when Zion Williamson was at Duke and he blew out his shoe and he was he was out for I don't know how long. Uh, you know, key injuries. You know, you see in the the NBA all the time during the playoffs last year, the Boston Celtics lost Gordon Haywood like in the second game of the playoffs, and he didn't come back until the the Eastern Conference Finals. Right, and. Just like Chris Likes and Cam Augusta are going to be coming back, 
you know, either this week or next. They are so rusty. I watched Chris Likes work out, and he's not in any kind of shape now. He hasn't been able to run or jump for a month. Oh, we got to be careful about him pulling a hamstring or a groin muscle again. Oh, we got to try to get him back in shape in a very short period of time. Cam Augusti pulled that hamstring. Now we got to worry about that, you know, being re-injured. Right. Oh. Okay, we're going to take a break, then we'll come back. We'll have another segment. We'll look ahead to Louisville. Uh, the Cardinals are here are here on Saturday, 8 o'clock at the Wasco Center, and we'll also examine the ACC. So we will continue with Jim Laranega uh, right after this. Let me talk to you about Williamson Cadillac, a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years. And Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Ed Williamson, his lovely wife, Carol Williamson, we had lunch a couple of weeks ago. They have fostered goodwill and pride in this community. They have fostered goodwill and pride in service. Williamson is well known for their integrity and their honesty. And right now you can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers engineered to stand out or excite your senses in Williamson CT sedan series dedicated to performance or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. I've got the XT crossover, the XT4. It's marvelous. You can visit their state-of-the-art facility Easily located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Or view their entire lineup online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Okay, with Hurricanes head coach Jim Laranega, Hurricanes back home on Saturday at the Watsco Center. 8 o'clock tip-off. We'll have the game for you beginning at 7.30. It's Louisville and then next week back on the road against Syracuse. Coach L, Louisville comes in. They've been at the top of the conference uh, for most of the year. Uh, you've played them very competitive, competitively the last several years. Uh, what challenges do they present? Yeah, Joe, Louisville, uh, they have a, a really good fortune in getting really good transfer students. Yeah. You know, we've also been fortunate. Angel Rodriguez, Shella McClellan, Kenny Kaji, uh, Shane Larkin, Trey McKinney-Jones. We've had a lot of good transfers. You know, I, I look at Louisville's team, and their leading scorer is Carlick Jones. He's a transfer from Radford. He's a senior. So he's playing 37 minutes a game, and he's averaging 16.5 points. He's shooting 81% from the foul line and 41% from three. So he's a very good shooter, and he's scoring the ball at a high rate. They also have one of the premier athletes in the league in David Johnson. Dave Johnson is about 6'5 and just jumps out of the building. He's a slasher. He's averaging over six rebounds a game, almost 15 points, uh, He's, he leads their team in steals. So that's a very lethal uh, backcourt combination. Then they have a very good freshman in, in Jalen Wither, uh, Withers. 
And then a sophomore, Sam Samuel Williamson, who gives them a lot of versatility because they play undersized a lot. They're not a huge team, but they are a very athletic team and a very skilled team. They're, they're shooting the ball extremely well. As a team, they're shooting 47%, and they're averaging about 70 points a game. So, one of, like I said earlier, one, one of the problems we have is, is in guarding guys who can shoot threes at the five. And if they play Samuel Williamson as their biggest guy, that becomes Nasir Brooks's uh, matchup. He only shoots 26, 27%, but that's what uh, uh, Stefan Mitchell was shooting coming into our game, and he made three in the first half. So it'll be a big challenge for us come Saturday night, and we just don't know how many players we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're expecting uh, Dan Gak to, to uh, get his knees treated next week, uh, and hopefully the treatments will work uh, to get him close to about, uh, as close to 100% as possible. And, uh, but I don't know how much he'll be able to play. So we could be back to just seven guys. Hmm. That's uh, that's tough sledding, that's for sure. Saturday, Miami and Louisville. Uh, last night in the league, uh, while you were flying back, Virginia Tech beat Duke at Virginia Tech. Uh, had him down by a substantial margin. Heard rallied him, rallied Duke, but uh, Virginia Tech won that one at home. Yeah, and, and it, you saw uh, Virginia won at home today against Notre Dame. Right. So Virginia is now eight and two. Notre Dame is three and eight. Um, but I think I think we're we're talking about um, basically two different levels. The teams that are healthy and playing well are top, I'll say five, six, or seven, and then then teams that are trying to overcome uh, injuries and COVID, not practicing either because of the injuries or because of being quarantined. So um, hopefully we'll get our guys back healthy, uh, especially Chris Likes and Cam Augusti. We we got to put more points on the board, Joe. Yeah. And those are our two best scorers. Yeah, because you are up until last night, as you mentioned before, you're, you were holding teams below seventy points per game. Yeah, we wouldn't have beaten uh, North Carolina State if it wasn't for a terrific defensive game. You know, we held them to fifty nine, a team that was averaging almost eighty. Now, Boston College, when you make 18 threes, and that's the most uh, made in my coaching career. You know, I've been doing this like 35 years. Never had a team make 18 threes on us. So they had a great game, and we didn't. And we're going to need to have a great game against Louisville, and hopefully they'll have a subpar game because the combination is what's really necessary right now. A good friend of mine who I coached against, his name is Jim McDonald. He, he, he said, told me one, one time in conversation about coaching, he said, when you go on the road, even if, if, if you look at it, what your chances are to win on, on the road, number one, you have to have the better team. Number two, you have to play really well. And number three, you got to get a good whistle. So we're the home team. We need to play really, really well, and we need to hope that Louisville 
uh, we're able to match up and guard them when we're at our best. When when you were looking at the game last night, because you're really good, uh, great at as a game unfolds, reading the game, uh, patience with a game plan, understanding what to take away or how to climb back into a game. As you're going through your your thought process of maybe making an adjustment, looking at Boston College, uh, do you get to a point where you maybe look at your assistants, Chris and Adam and Bill, and say, well, I'm not sure if the idea factory is open tonight? No, we we had some very, very good plans. When the game began, uh, the offense we ran, which was called Horns, worked to perfection. Uh, Nasir Brooks made uh, a basket from from, – Harlan Beverly, very nice assist, very nice basket. The next play down, we got a a wide-open shot but missed it. The next time down, we got the ball to Nasir Brooks again. He was right near the basket, and he missed the shot. You know, those are very, very high-percentage shots, Uh, and and we just, just missed them. And when you miss shots and the other team is making shots, they build the lead. We made an adjustment defensively. We started the second half in a 2-3 zone, which we haven't done all year. But the reason was and uh, it, it to keep Nasir Brooks in the game because if, if he's out there guarding a three-point shooter, we know that guy's probably going to make him. That's what the history says. So we put him in the middle of the 2-3 zone and made our guards cover those threes. But at that point, Joe, it really didn't matter. Those guys were on fire, playing with a tremendous amount of effort, intensity, and confidence. Mm -hmm. And they kept finding the open man, and he kept burying the open shot. So, you know, we got to chalk that up. Okay, that's a bad night for the Hurricanes. We got to bounce back and get ready for the next game, the Louisville Cardinals. Before I let you go, I did want to ask you this. You mentioned transfers earlier. Where do you think we are with transfers in college athletics or college basketball today? Uh, I thought they delayed another ruling. Do you think they'll be eligible immediately moving forward? uh, What's your thought on where we are with transfers? I I would say we're in chaos mode. (laughs) It's utter chaos. No one knows what's going on. No one knows what the rules are going to be. No one knows what's going to happen with name, image, and likeness. No one knows for sure if transfers are going to be eligible right away, not having to sit out. But I'm guessing that's going to pass, and we're going to have free agency. And in the last five years, we've averaged over 1,000 transfers a year, which means every college basketball program in all likelihood, we'll lose at least two or three players in the transfer portal. Two or three from every team. Yeah. Now, if all transfers are eligible, it's likely to be 1,500 to 2,000 because they're not going to have to sit out. So if that happens, every team is going to have a, uh, a start over roster where you just don't know who, who's going to play for who next year. Hmm. In, in addition, an extra year of eligibility has gr- been granted to every athlete, I believe, now in every sport. 
So I guess at some point you have to have those discussions, right, with your guys that are seniors on uh, how they feel about either coming back or moving on. Yeah, well, look at, you know, last night we played against Rich Kelly, a transfer from Quinnipiac. Now he's the star of Boston College. Next game we're playing uh, Louisville. Uh, Carlick Jones is the star of Louisville, the leading scorer for Louisville. Uh, we've got uh, Elijah Olanyi, who's doing a very nice job for us, a transfer from Stony Brook. So that's the direction everything is going in. There's going to be so much recruiting done in April, May, June, July. And I'm guessing even in August, after summer school is completed, kids will announce, hey, I'm not coming back. I'm looking for a new place. I'm putting my name in the portal. Hmm. Oh, it's going to be a real challenge to figure out your roster because, as you mentioned, everybody can return. Everybody can come back and play next year, even if you're – uh, a Rodney Miller, who's a, a fifth-year senior, a Nasir Brooks, who's a fifth-year senior, Sam Wardenberg, who's a fifth-year senior. Those guys could still come back and play college basketball next year if they choose to. For us, I don't know how many of the guys, those guys would want to come back when they have a chance to play pro ball somewhere and make money right. while they're still young and, and in, in good shape. Oh, and in a case of like Rodney Miller, who's been injured, why take the chance on getting re-injured when I can maybe go overseas and play some basketball and get paid? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, uh, what, are you, what are you watching on Netflix? you have a good show for us? You know, um, I, I've been watching a, a lot of different things on Netflix. One movie that I liked very much that I shared with my coaches and Coach Fish he, he liked it, too. Um, it's called Ava. Oh. A-V-A. I watched it the other night. You did? Yes. Jessica Chastain. Yeah, I like her. She's very good. Oh, I think she's an amazing actress. Yeah. One of the movies last year or maybe two or three years ago was Molly's Game. I saw that one, too. That. Yeah. Oh, that that was a terrific flick. And she was, she was in the uh, movie... Uh, zero dark forty or zero dark twenty about the the uh, um, assassination of Osama bin Laden right. of us tracking him down and killing him. So she, she's been in some terrific movies. I liked Ava; uh, she does a terrific job. Uh, Colin Farrell's in it. He's a good good actor. Um, so anybody who watches that, if you like action flicks. That's a good one to check out. Yeah, she uh, <laughs> she's a pretty good fighter. Well, they must take they those those actors and actresses must take uh, a kung fu karate uh, <laughs> uh, lessons because those things look so real. I got I just heard that, that, they, that there's another season of Cobra Kai. Have you watched that? Well, I'm on season two. I like it. I think it's, it's it cracks me up. I think it's pretty funny. Well, there's a season three out now on on Netflix. Yeah, what you? So after you watch two, you can go to season three. I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm going to. Oh, you haven't watched any of the episodes yet? 
I've watched one, seasons one yeah. and two. Oh, okay. Did you but like it? I haven't it? watched yeah. season three. So, did you like uh, the first two years, first two seasons? Yeah, they were terrific. <laughs> yeah, you know, Daniel. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny myself. Uh, strike first. No mercy. Yeah, right. that was very, very clever. All right, Coach. Uh, we'll talk to you on Saturday. I'd like to say I'll see you. I'll wave to you from the suite. And uh, I'll talk to you on Saturday before Miami and Louisville. Okay, Joe. Great right. talking to you. All right. Thanks very much. That's University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.